0: This morning, as we look at the triumphal entry, I want to take you from surrender to victory. How many of you need a victory in your life? You need to move into a realm to have victory over something, right? If not everything. But there's a key to our passage today that to find victory, you must surrender. That seems like such a contradiction, doesn't it? I mean, you're not supposed to surrender if you're going to have a victory, but in the kingdom of God, if you will surrender to the right things, if you will surrender to the majesty of Christ, you will find the victory of our Lord manifest in your life. So this morning, let's turn to Mark chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10. And it's the story of the triumphal entry. When Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, he's coming into Jerusalem, and Mark centers on one story. The reason Jesus is coming into Jerusalem at the beginning of that week is ultimately for the cross, but specifically to come into the temple and declare judgment on an old system that has failed to say that he is going to replace the temple with a new temple in three days. That temple is the body of Christ. That temple is assembled here today. It's the people of God. And so Jesus comes in and in Mark 11 verse 7 he says this, And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. What we see here is the people of God, the Galileans who have followed Jesus from Galilee now up into Jerusalem And they're celebrating and expecting that Jesus is going to take full authority on the throne of David. He does. He does. But they didn't expect it to be on a wooden cross. They expected him to walk in and take over and have authority. Some of you have been waiting for a person to take authority over this nation. There's one person who is on the seat of authority over this nation. Amen? It's Jesus Christ no matter what human government is and their folly is Christ is lord and he's seated on the throne of god can you believe that can you trust him for it yeah and as he came forth what we see is an act of surrender because as they're ready to exalt jesus they surrender their cloaks they surrender their garments this is something very important. They see that they have a colt that has never been sat upon before. It's pure. And so what they want to do is Jesus is going to ride in, as Zechariah 9.9 says, lowly on that of an, ox, uh, an ass, a mule, a colt, as, as He comes in lowly in His parousia, entrance into the city. They want to lay down their cloaks on the animal, and then they lay down their cloaks all the way from the Mount of Olives to the east gate of Jerusalem. They're laying their garments down. This is an act of surrender. They don't want the Holy One of Israel to touch the filth of the ground. So they empty their lives. They take off their cloaks. And in this time period, most Jews wore two Articles of clothing. One was a tunic, and that was their undergarments. And upon their tunic, they wore their cloaks. Cloaks were much more expensive. They were very important. They provided protection from the cold weather. They kept them warm. In fact, it says this cloaks were so important in the law of Moses, it says in Exodus 22, verses 26 to 27. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak as a loan, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down for that's his only covering and it is his cloak for his body in what else will he sleep and if he cries to me I'll hear for I'm compassionate (laughs) I mean God understood how important a person's cloak was if you take it away and they're crying out God's going to make sure they get a covering So, I mean, this is no small act. This is them laying down their garment that keeps them warm at night. It's their tent. It's their protective covering. They typically only had one cloak. What they were, in essence, doing was laying themselves down for the kingdom of God. What will you lay down for the Lord Jesus Christ? What will you remove? from your life they were quite literally laying down their possessions pieces of themselves in order to prepare for the messiah it was a sacrificial act it was a surrender and at the time of surrender they're willing to surrender what they have in honor of their king and then they shout the victory they take the palm branches And so they give their cloaks in surrender to the majesty of the Holy One. And then they take branches for the victory that He's going to bring. And they shout, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means save now And they said, Hosanna in the highest. They were saying to Jesus, save us, deliver us, save us now under the highest authority. Is Jesus the highest authority in your life? Are you crying out to Him for deliverance? The word save. In Hebrew, sozo is in Greek. But the word for Jehovah's salvation is Yeshua. It's the name of Jesus, Yeshua. The word save means to deliver me, heal me, separate me to yourself, bring me into your fullness, restore my life and everything within it. It was all-encompassing. And they're recognizing in this holy moment that they would surrender their lives, their cloaks, and all that they own and have to be saved in the highest authority through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do we still welcome Him in that way? Or is this just some kind of religious duty that we do once a week, now and then? Are we willing to lay our lives down for the majesty of Christ and celebrate the victory of the cross and say, save us now, deliver us now in the highest authority? It was a foreshadow of what was going to take place for Jesus Himself laid down His cloak, His garment, They ripped his clothes off and they began to beat him with lashes, tearing his back with the cat of nine tails. Thirty nine lashes, ripping his flesh as his cloak is ripped in half and bleeding. They gambled for his tunic as he was nailed to a cross and his garments were laid on the ground, and they began to to, to gamble for his tunic, his undergarment, because it was seamless. It had no seams. It was rare. It was unique. The kind of tunic that the high priest would wear. That was the garment of Christ. How many of you know that His love for us is seamless, it's perfect? How many of you know His salvation for us is seamless and perfect? His healing has no jagged edges. It has no seams, no hems. It is seamless in perfection. Jesus laid His life down for you and I. He laid Himself in surrender. And this we know, John says, that Jesus laid down his life for us. So that at the cross he would say, it is finished. Into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. And he was buried. And on the third day, the Lord lifted up the branch of victory, Jesus Christ, and raised Him up from the dead. Death is defeated. The grave has been canceled. Christ Jesus is our Hosanna. They had no idea that when they were saying, save us now in the highest, they weren't going high enough. They wanted salvation from the Romans. They wanted freedom in Jerusalem. But our God, seamless in perfection, was offering His own Son, not just a cloak, not just a garment. He offered Himself on that cross and to raise up for deliverance, not from some oppressive person, but from the power of sin and death once and for all. He is the branch Hosanna in the highest. He sits on the throne of David in the realm of kingdom authority, canceling the power of sin and death in our lives. Praise God. Therefore God highly exalted Him and bestowed upon Him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. That's why we wave our palm branches. We raise up high the name of Jesus. Because I've been hosannahed in the highest. I've been saved now in the highest authority. Praise God so it calls to you and I. What are we going to surrender? What have we surrendered in this day? I'm not asking for your money. I'm not asking for your time. I'm not asking for anything. God is asking for your life. We compartmentalize our lives as if I could give 10% of who I am, of my finances, that'll be enough. If I could give him a 10-minute devotion in the morning, that would be enough. If I can compartmentalize and pray at my meals, if I could think every now and then through the day to pray, that is not enough. Lay down your cloak. Lay down the covering. Lay down everything you are. Lay down all of your failures. Lay down all of your best effort. But lay yourself down as a cloak and garment before God. We must all surrender to the King. Are we surrendering, laying our life down so that He would not be tainted by the sin of this world? They laid their coats Down so that the donkey, the colt, would not even touch the ground because Christ is pure and holy. I'm wondering, how many garments does it take to reach from Mount of Olives to the eastern gate in Jerusalem? I've stood on the Mount of Olives. I remember seeing on that mountaintop, looking over to the old city of Jerusalem and seeing the gateway and the way down. It would take a lot of coats. How about someone who would miss it? I'm not putting my coat down there. I just got this thing. I just got it from the cleaners last week. It's going to get dirty. I don't want that donkey stepping on it. You see, but when you are in a place of desperation, when you are in a place when everything else in your life just doesn't matter, you're willing to lay your life down. That's why self-sufficient people typically don't give their lives to Jesus. They're managing their time and their money and their career is enough. They've got what they want. Usually it's the broken. Usually it's the wounded. Usually it's the desperate that surrender themselves. Don't we? It's usually those who come to the realization that apart from Christ, I can do nothing nothing. I will surrender my life. 1 John 3.16 said, by this we know love. This is how we know love. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Surrender. If you want victory, you must surrender your life to Jesus. So, we lay our cloak, we lay our lives down so that we may have the victory in Christ Jesus. As I surrender my life upon the cross of Christ, what He did for me, I surrender who I am to that work, to that great work of Jesus Christ. And in that work that I'm identified on the cross for my sin, I am exchanged to be given His righteousness, and I can say thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got the victory. I've got victory over sin in my life. By the resurrection power of His Spirit in me, I can overcome the sin that has constantly pulling and tugging at my flesh, and I can say, no, I have laid you down before the glory of Jesus Christ. I've got victory over the grave. This body will be shed. Can't wait. It's going to be a glorious day. Tired of lugging this body of death. But I'll be free from the power of death to live eternally with Christ Jesus. Evermore, I've got a victory. I've got a victory now. I've got a victory then. I have victory at all times. To live is Christ, to die is gain. We've got the victory this morning, amen. And so, we see in this triumphal entry the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you and I want to have a victory, we must surrender ourselves to Christ. Some of us have been trying our hardest to do the best we can do to live the Christian life. You can't. It is only Christ in us. We must continually lay our lives down at the cross of Christ. I must every day surrender the garment of my identity in Christ Jesus. It's I no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me making me become who I was destined to be through Christ Jesus. That's my victory. Amen? And so the way to find victory is surrender. This last uh, two days, I was in Pennsylvania for the executive board meeting of the IFCA, our denomination. I represent the Great Lakes District here in Michigan, and I had an opportunity to to talk with the district overseer of our southern district. His name is Dennis uh, Durhay. Uh, humble man, powerful man of prayer. We spent hours in prayer these last two days looking for the vision and direction of our denomination and movement for the church in these days, in these last hours. And speaking with Dennis, I I heard a man so surrendered when I when I looked over to him in prayer I saw a garment on the ground if you will a man surrendered to the power of God. Later that night we had a chance to have dinner together and listen to each other's testimonies and I was I was so struck by this man's testimony. Dennis told me about how he got saved. The surrender to victory, that was his story. He was uh, aware of the gospel and Jesus growing up, but it just never took. It had not effect on him. As a young man, he went into the army and he was a wild guy. And he would drink profusely. This guy would drink a case of beer a day and he would put whiskey in the freezer and drink it ice cold. Each night, he would black out. He would get so drunk The one night he was so miserable and and so drunk in the field that all he says he can remember from blacking out is the MPs coming, pulling him up under his arms, lifting him up and him waking up and they said, come on, get back in the barracks. They remember him being thrown into his bed as he laid there again. Early in the morning, he woke up and he recognized how far and how depraved he had made his life and fallen so deeply. And he began to weep and he began to cry and he said, all I know is I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I have to have Jesus. And he got up and he ran out to the chaplain's quarters And he ran into the chaplain quarters, and all that were there were two chaplain assistants. And he came in, and in his condition, waking up, he said, I need a chaplain. I need Jesus. And they told him, I'm sorry. There's no chaplains here. He said, I'm not leaving till I get Jesus. And I want Jesus like a Baptist. That was his only frame of reference. And the two assistants were shocked, and they went, and they looked around, and they uh, could see if they could get a chaplain, and they came back, and he said, can you make an appointment by Wednesday? (laughs) And he sat down and pounded, I'm not leaving till I get Jesus all right. So the assistants go and they start calling and calling and they get a chaplain for Dennis. The chaplain answers the phone and he says, what can I do for you, son? And he says, I need Jesus and I want Jesus like a Baptist. And he says, I'm the on-call chaplain. I'm a Hindu priest. Can you make an appointment? And he said, No! I need Jesus now! And the Hindu priest looked, and he was quiet on the end of the phone, and and he comes back, and the Hindu priest says, I found a Baptist hymnal. (laughs) And he turned to the back of the Baptist hymnal, and at the back of the Baptist hymnal was the sinner's prayer. And he said, I guess if you say this, you'll get your Jesus. And so the Hindu priest began to say the prayer. <laughs> and Dennis begins to recite the prayer. And he said, that as he was speaking the prayer from the Hindu priest... From the back of a Baptist hymnal, the power of God poured down on him. He said from the top of his hands, the top of his head, the power of God flowed through his body, and he was instantaneously delivered from alcohol and filled with the Spirit of God. (laughs) And the Hindu priest said, and there's your Jesus, like a Baptist, click, (laughs) transformed from surrender. He had come to a place of complete surrender to take off his identity, to take off of his covering, to take off of everything, and not leave till he got Jesus. How many of us have surrendered it all? Many of us raise our children in the church and we wonder, where have they gone? Why does the world snatch them away so much? Just because your children are growing up in a Christian home doesn't mean they're Christian. Just because they attend a Christian church doesn't mean they committed to Christ. Typically, we see them come back When they they know who Christ is, but they've not surrendered. How many of us in our testimony here today, how many of you took a walk down that wild side, that walk where you walked away for how long, till finally you were ready to give up the garment of your identity and lay it before Christ? One year later, he told me, in fact, I just received the email this morning, I had emailed him late last night, brother, what was that priest? Was he a Hindu priest, a Muslim priest? What was he? And I told him I was going to share his story, and he said he was so humbled, and he said, but I have more to tell you about it. he said, one year later, revival hit the barracks of our unit, filled so many in the barracks of, that, uh, of those soldiers that many came to Christ. And he said, There was a new guy that came in who was a chaplain's assistant. And he found him and he said, Are you that, Dennis? And he said, I don't know what you mean. He says, Your story is a story that is shared by all the chaplains in the army that God can use any on call chaplain for his work, be it Hindu, Muslim, or Christian. God will get his man. Mighty man of God now pastoring and now the overseer of our southern district serving his life for Jesus. The story of the triumphal entry is you can't get a victory till you surrender. And there's a victory waiting for you. So this morning I give it to all of you. Will you lay your cloak down